Today's episode is brought to you by Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. They're now open for in-store shopping, but with a COVID times twist. Along with mandatory masks, a few other things have changed. Check in on their website for their latest updates and policy. Curbside pickup for your online and phone orders is still a great way to get all the gear you need. And they're shipping for free across Canada on orders over 100 bucks. Visit driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is the beginning of November, and uh, we're back recording another episode. Uh, it's like 20 degrees outside right now in Ontario, which doesn't make any sense. My name is Mitch. We've got Aldo. Hey. And we've got Yelma. Hi, and I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> yeah, like, what's with this weather? It's so strange. Um, I don't know, and it's election day for yeah, U- US, U.S. friends, right. so yeah. when this airs, you'll yeah. you'll know who wins, but... Right now, we don't know what's going on. Crazy, crazy times. Um, yeah, that's right. It's so strange that I don't understand. We're really excited today to have a special guest on the show. We've been uh, we've been lucky enough recently to go fishing with. Uh, we've got Tyler Dunsmore on the show. Tyler has been fishing the rivers of Southern Ontario since he was five years old. Um, and from the Miramichi River, New Brunswick, for Atlantic salmon, to the rivers and lakes of British Columbia for trout, uh, including Vancouver Island steelhead. Tyler spent years living and guiding in various Canadian fly fishing hotspots. Uh, but he's also lived and guided in Argentina and Chile for famous Patagonian trout and Tierra del Fuego's Sea Run Browns. Um, when not scouting or exploring the rivers, he's an active member of the Middle Grand chapter of Trout Unlimited, and currently Tyler is serving as one of the co-vice presidents. Um, during his downtime, Tyler can be found at the fly tying bench spinning flies for next fishing opportunity, or you can find him floating down the meandering, beautiful, amazing rivers of southern Ontario, guiding anglers into some of the best water and getting them onto some fish. Um, like I said, we just spent a recent weekend fishing with Tyler and can absolutely vouch for his masterful chef's kiss drift boat handling skills. Um, to Tyler, fly fishing is more than a gig or a hobby it's a passion his love or should we say obsession for fly fishing comes through and all the little touches that make his guided trips memorable and exceptional and now located on the banks of the middle grand river tyler endeavors to incorporate all the best attributes of the places he's fished and guided um, and been privileged enough to work at to create this really unique and really best fly fishing experience that you can have right here in southern ontario super excited tyler to have you on how's it going oh amazing thank you very much that was a mouthful i know i know (laughs) you know i like i like setting things up lately i've been it's a for people listening at home it's a new feature uh little introductions but i think it's nice to just you know have you on the show i don't i don't want to you know tyler what do you what do you do you know like let's let's get a little intro here yeah, yeah, I love well, the intro. Oh, that was fantastic. Holy right I, I, I'm, 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 I'm blushing right now. <laughs> well, we're super excited to have you on. Like I said in the intro, I mean, you know, we, we could talk all day about, you know, fly fishing down here for Steelhead and, and the guided trips you're doing, but you, you've, you've guided in some incredible places, Miramichi out west, and then, you know, Argentina, Chile, like there's some crazy stuff to talk about today. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, when you say all that, it makes it sound like, uh, a lot, doesn't it? Wow. What kind of is? It's pretty decent. It's a pretty decent, yeah. Decent, uh, yeah resume. Yeah. I would say. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well. Well, uh, whereabouts? Was... Whereabouts you calling in from today, Tyler? You're, you're down in uh, whereabouts are you again? Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm. I'm at home here in in Paris, Ontario. So right on the banks of the Middle Grand uh, River, more or less. 
yeah. uh, or at least a few minutes away and uh, my home waters and where I do most of my guiding. So uh, yeah, such a good spot That's where we are today. So close, yeah. so close to that river. Oh my God. Like mm. when we pulled up to Paris there a couple of weeks ago when we fished and I was like, Oh man, Tyler, like you live so close to this. Like Aldo and I were like, do we move to Paris? Like, is that the move right now? Like, do I, like, I don't have to live in, I don't have to live move. in Toronto and I don't have to live in Toronto anymore. Yeah. You know, I can work from anywhere. Move close to the river. Tyler, know? I'm moving in. <laughs> okay. All right. We got lots of room. You know, hey, they it. are, they're building houses like crazy here. So I, I mean, know. I know. Well, that's another, that's wild. a whole other thing we that's can That's a whole other topic too. we can get into. Which oh we definitely gosh. will. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Politics. I mean, we, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, politics. Well, hey, it's yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say, I mean, I know we're going to get into it, but uh, we had this awesome float a couple weeks ago and, mm-hmm. and uh, I love the Grand River already. I think I love it even more now. I see, I see, especially the middle grand for people listening to the show or, you know, for people who are from here or not from here, you know, like we, we spend so much time fishing the upper grand for, for Browns, you know, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. as it gets wider, I always really kind of saw it through the lens of a bass angler and it's an awesome bass river, but man, doing that flow with you changed my changed the way I view that river completely. Well, you start to see um, the yeah. whole river when you yeah. float, you know, versus that makes just, it seem like, yeah. Oh, sorry, Mitch. Yeah. That makes it seem like I didn't like it. I love the river already, oh, course, but now it's like, now there's even more to it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like when you eat pizza, but then you realize you can put truffle sauce on pizza. It's oh, like, yeah. well, I already liked pizza. <laughs> oh yeah. Funny. Yeah. Like when you put to- uh, pineapples. Oh God. Pineapples. What the I love kidding. pineapples on pizza. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, this is a whole other podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs> the pizza podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You, you talk about the grand that way. I mean, it's, uh, I think I obviously have the luxury of living on it and fishing it all the time. So you get to know the ins and outs, let's just say, or the river within the river, mm-hmm. which I think any river I've ever spent significant amount of time on, you sort of, you start to figure it out and you find those little those little nuances about the river and the grand has lots of nuances. As you know, you say you see it as a bass river and it is primarily kind of a warm water river throughout the summer, but it has uh, this amazing influx and springs and seeps of cold water and and tributary cold tributaries coming in that make it uh, basically blue ribbon steelhead and resident trout fishing at at least certain times of the year. So the river within the river. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember hearing about the Grand River when I lived in Ottawa because it was, you know, one mm-hmm. of those big rivers in southern Ontario that was for trout fishing, you know, and always wanting yeah. to fish it. And I, I agree, although getting to float it, like you start to see the whole river as, mm-hmm. oppo- as opposed to just, you know, parts you walk into. You, you get you a sense access. of the whole flow and it does definitely opens it up in your head and you go, oh, yeah, like there's so many spots to fish, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. And it's a unique one. I mean, for the, for the, for the guy who wants to come and fish it, who has that one hour or two hour drive, mm-hmm. you know, timing is everything as they say. And, uh, yeah. you know, someone comes, they start, they start spending time on the river and, and, you know, they, they don't hit the timing mm-hmm. and, uh, the river, I think people start to shy away from it, which I guess is a good thing f- for me in a sense. Um, yeah. But you got to put your time in, figure it out a bit, and uh, sort of mm-hmm. get tuned tuned in, and and you can you can have success for sure. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so why don't we go back to you know how you got into fly fishing, where it all began, and, and just kind of go that way. Um, I mean, you you've been fly fishing down in Southern Ontario since you were five. Like, how did that all begin, and where what were some of the rivers you were fishing, learned to fish on? Well, 
Uh, definitely fishing when I was five, but not not fly fishing quite right. quite at that age, of course. But uh, so I grew up in London, and so I actually spent hours upon hours fishing on the Thames River for smallmouth bass. Oh, nice! And you know, with my with my dad, who introduced me to the sport, of course. And um, he was not a fisherman. I mean, we actually learned together. Uh, we got out there and uh, made all the mistakes and. I was obviously young, uh, pretty young at the time, but uh, that's kind of where the passion got ignited, I guess. And uh, and then I discovered, well, there was a few, uh, actually a few trout streams in, in the London area, two tributaries of the Thames where I was able to actually fish for brook trout. So, I mean, that mm. there was the interest in that sparked the trout, uh, the trout and steelhead thing. Uh, and uh, the Thames does have a run of steelhead, actually, small runs, isolated runs, but. Uh, oh, wow, really? Eh? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And from there, I think I got my first to jump ahead to like being 14, 15. I, I think someone gifted me a fly reel. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I need a line. I need a rod <laughs> off to Canadian Tire to get the, I think it was, what was it called back then? The Sill Star or something, you know, it was $14.99 for the rod. And yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was out there whipping the whipping the line around in the backyard and yeah. ruining fly lines and trying to sort it out all on my own. But mm-hmm. uh uh, it was fun. I got, I started to catch bass, you know, when I, when I was young like that and it really kind of got me hooked yeah. and, uh, and, and, and off it went from there and it, and it waxed and waned a bit. Like I'd, I'd fly fish a bit and then get away from it and yeah. go back to it until I think I was probably 18 or 19 or sometime in college, I would say mm-hmm. I was at, went to Sir Sanford Fleming for aquaculture as well, while I was there, we fished a lot. And of course, my fishing buddies were all center pinning at the time. So I gravitated to that for a while. But after that, I, I consciously made a decision that I was going to switch to a fly. And I put that rod away. And I, I think I fished two years without a fish. And then finally, I hooked a steelhead. You know, it took that long. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I wasn't mentored by anyone per se at the time either. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I did a lot of trial and error and trial and error yeah trial and error and uh it wasn't until um i was out in bc you know where it started to start to click and come together for me and um out on vancouver island at the time i was a scuba diver and working on fish farms in clayquat sound so i got to fish all these summer run steelhead rivers out there and got tied on tied in with the shop i'm gonna say where my guiding began yeah. got tied in with a shop in Tofino and I was basically doing you know the overflow a little bit here and there and then I got the idea wow what a way to make a living yeah. so my wife was uh Krista and I were out there she wasn't my wife at the time but we decided oh let's let's make a resume package and send it to every fly fishing lodge in every magazine we can find yeah and we were in we were right on the west coast of Vancouver Island in Tofino so about as far west as you can go in Canada, yeah. enjoying those sunsets. And we got hired by uh, Keith Wilson on the Miramichi River at Wilson's Lodge. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> all, all the way back. east. Yeah. All the way yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we packed everything we owned and drove yep. to New Brunswick. Yeah. That's awesome. So, That's so cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So so when you were diving yeah. out there, like at the, at the fish farms, you were like actually like diving in Tofino and stuff like that? Yeah, well, they, I was working as a as a scuba diver for for the fish farm. That's so cool! Um, what a cool job! It was 
Yeah, well, I was on a maintenance crew, so we we changed nets and okay. cleaned nets and did this and that. And uh, you know, we always had we always had fishing fishing rods with us out there. <laughs> take, at lunchtime, we jig jig up a couple of cod to take home for dinner, kind That's of thing. Sweet. But yeah, it was neat. So, yeah. and uh, I haven't. Yeah, lived. No, that was short lived. That was only I only did that. Did you for say Hilma? Yeah. I haven't lived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Very fair enough. <laughs> Yelma. Yeah. Poor Yelma. Well, we yeah, can, well, you know, we could scuba dive Yelma. Like, do you still scuba yeah. dive, Tyler? I haven't in years. I mean, it's a, it's cold water diving, right? Yeah. So dry dry suit, wetsuit stuff. And you know, I logged I logged about I think I logged about three hundred and fifty commercial commercial dives, wow. and probably wow. about a hundred sport dives. So I had lots wow. of lots under my belt. And uh, but the sport diving was fantastic. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's the stuff to talk about, right? Yeah. Uh, around Campbell, Campbell River and Tofino and yeah. all these places. And, uh, and I guess I should mention while I lived on Vancouver Island, I did a stint in Campbell River. So I got to fish all uh, Roger Keg Brown's rivers, of course, Sweet. too. Yeah. We're reading all those books and whatnot. But yeah. uh, um, anyways, back getting back, scuba diving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was commercial. That was a short run, about eight months I did that. And then I started to realize that, it wasn't a really great career choice for, for your uh, physical health. Let's right, say, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of lot of ups and downs, and always watching your tables and dealing with nitrogen and right. things like that. And uh, ran into some old boys around Tofino. I've been diving for twenty years, and I quickly realized that uh, I wanted to save my uh, mind and my <laughs> body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Kind of a yeah. cool stint, though. I mean, that's a cool you know yeah. little thing to look back on. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. It was good. Except for the days where we had, uh, the boat was broken down. We had to go out in a skiff and the snow was turning to rain about, you know, a hundred feet over our heads. And we had to suit up and jump in the ocean and, uh, choose some cold, some cold dives, but, uh, yeah. I get, I could handle it back then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Can I yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when you're, when you're young, you can just like, you just like, you're like, ah, this isn't that bad. And then you're like, mm. Maybe it was. Yeah. <laughs> Were you uh, sad to leave Tofino? I mean, obviously it was an exciting opportunity, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I loved it there. I mean, uh, life was pretty darn simple. I mean, Chris mm-hmm. and I, we lived in a 26 foot travel trailer rental. Awesome. I mean, it leaked and had mushrooms growing in it, I think. <laughs> um, you know, what can I say? And, uh, but it was good. Life, life was, life was good. Yeah. And, uh, but hey, the Miramichi the was Mayor calling, yep. Yep. and uh, Atlantic salmon guiding. Yeah. So mm-hmm. off we went and uh, got settled in out there. Mm-hmm. And and talking about how I got started in fly fishing, I, I always say that my time on the Miramichi was my true and honest tuition in in fly fishing and and uh, being immersed in in tradition out there. You know the yeah. Miramichi salmon, uh, uh, the museum out there, and you know. And the old time guides that mentored me out there mm-hmm. uh, yeah. at the time, I mean, they've been doing it for years and, you know, there was a fellow there named Lloyd Lyons. And, you know, I'm not even sure if he's, if Lloyd Lyons is still with us, but I can remember he was completely amidextrous with a fly rod. Yeah. He could put it in his left arm and cast a 70 or 80 foot line out single hand rod yeah. and then swing it through a run and switch it to the other arm and do the same thing. It was amazing to watch. And, you know, how they could 
raise a salmon on a full floating line on a small number 10, you know, blue charm or something like that was just something Mm -hmm. I never even could have even dreamed of being able to do for steelhead in in Ontario. And I, and I know it can be done on Vancouver Island and BC, but you know, there's a lot of that Skagit style fishing and, and, and weighted flies and that kind of thing going on out there and a lot of winter steelhead as well as summer. And I, I guess I wasn't quite seasoned enough out there to really get into pursuing steelhead on a dry fly mm-hmm. ex- except until later on, and, you know, and I got to the Miramichi and I thought, Oh my goodness, I should have been doing this out in right. Vancouver Island. Right. Mm. But uh, that, that was quite an experience. Um, to to really immerse yourself because that's the culture is fly fishing there mm-hmm. along the along the banks of the Miramichi and and that's where I uh, I don't know what can I say was gained most of my education I think yeah yeah you um, learned a lot from the people out there eh? yeah the for sure it was amazing so have you ever very, did you were you ever like have you ever had you have ever been out there before was that your first time ever being to the Miramichi. Well, I mean, I, I've been out there, but not necessarily fishing. Right. Yeah. So that was my first experience. I got hired on the Miramichi. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I had, I had really not a, a really great understanding of what that meant until I, right. until I got there and spent time on it. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So what was that like? Like just getting started on the Miramichi, like you, you guys decided to do this new thing and you've gone all across the country and you're, you know, you're, you're out there learning from people. Was it intimidating? Were you kind of like... Was this a uh, the right move? Like, what was the what were the emotions? Well, from a guiding standpoint, it definitely was intimidating. I mean, mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, yeah. and um, I mean, I, I knew what I was doing. I could cast and whatnot, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but you know, I, I soon realized that I wasn't as nearly as skilled as I thought I was, mm-hmm. and it sort of you know it was humbling mm-hmm. for sure. So I had to sit back and and guide and 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 try to try to pull pieces of information from these some of these older guys have been doing it forever and some of them are great you know they, they'd share and teach and show me and um you know swinging a fly at a 45 degree angle through a salmon run and the whole two-step and, and working a run like that yep. that was that was all new to me and i quickly learned that you know that was uh that was the rules and that's how you did it mm-hmm. you know you, you know that the rotating pools and and uh, resting the fish and you know out, out there at the lodge it's four hours in the morning four hours in the evening yeah. and um that's that like you get your eight hours fishing and between those times those those mm-hmm. pools are rested and those fish are rested which i thought is really cool and unique and you know one thing that you don't that doesn't happen in ontario unfortunately but yeah. i mean i try to incorporate that into my guiding if i do a, a run down the river one day I, I try not to hit the same spots but Inevitably, you do hit some of them. I mean, if if the fish are there, you want to fish it. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, completely unique and eye-opening experience, and I learned a ton there. Um, and it only lasted for a year, and we decided to move on again. Yeah. One one winter in New Brunswick was enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty brutal. So beautiful, New Brunswick, though. Yeah, uh, New Brunswick is beautiful, yeah. and the Miramichi River is incredible. Um, yeah. It's fish is so nice. I mean, getting, you know, talking about the middle ground where I am now, I, I compare it to the Miramichi a lot. Um, if, if fish is very similar, mm-hmm. uh, the ground is a little bigger, a little broader, at least in the middle ground area where I was on Wilson's on the, the main Southwest. It was, uh, 
pretty similar in size, but not quite as wide as the Middle Grand, I would say. Mm -hmm. Middle Grand, as you guys know, it's a wide, broad river, yeah. right? The, the pools, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll call, if I call them pools, the runs, they're not deep, right? Like we were uh, fishing, uh, you can get away with fishing floating lines just like you can on the Miramichi as long as the water temps are there. Right. Mm -hmm. so it's cool. Like what I learned there definitely is transferred to the Grand in, in a lot of situations and, and with my guiding. So, mm -hmm. which you guys experienced and yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what yeah, more can I say? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what was that area that we that we fished? We stopped as you, me, and Adis, uh, Adis, uh, and we were in. So where, where when we met met up with Phil? Um, yeah, that uh, nice uh, second day, the big big pool. Um, as soon as we, we'll keep it. We'll keep the name secret, my friend. Oh yes, yes, but, yes. Hey, we'll that way. Oh, I, that I, was probably uh, like the first was, pool uh, we hit, basically. Yeah. yeah. Joe, uh, Joe Panich was there yeah. fishing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's an excellent fly tire. I mean, he's done some, some stuff at some of the local shops around here before. Um, yeah. but he, he like, he likes that spot. I run into him there from time to time. And, uh, it reminded me of it, the, sorry. No, that's okay. I was going to say, I think he appreciated the fact that we sort of decided to have our lunch and let him fish that run. Yeah. yeah. Mary, he kind of stopped by and gave me a whole bunch of flies, which was yeah. really cool. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah. then we were able to slip in behind them and get one, right? So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Joe. Thanks for the flies. Yeah. They worked. Yeah. <laughs> they worked. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So. Sorry, Yulma, you were saying something there. I, I might have no, rambled I was, on a bit there. No, I, I, I just felt like one of the areas that we were fishing in the deeper part um of the of the grand where we kind of um uh kind of went in reminded me of the um the mainland a lot because it, it felt like you had these bit of little whirlpools that i felt like kept and ha had fish and you were saying that they were going to be there but we didn't give it enough time and i'm looking forward to seeing if we can pull something out on saturday it was a time when, we, when i came out to go pee <laughs> there's so much beautiful water there's so much beautiful water like what the the one that like right at the start of our float you pass that giant yeah. berm of trees and it's like mm -hmm. it's amazing looking it, it looks and i know what you when you say like i've never seen the miramichi but i have been to new brunswick and i've seen some other rivers there and it looks it feels like that vibe is i know what you mean it does look similar yeah. in that way you know yeah it, it does the landscape or the scenery landscape can be similar not the mountains aren't quite as high and obviously yeah. we're in a much more urban environment but yeah. Uh, yeah yeah the river itself is nice that way so love the grand so yeah miramichi you guided there for how many years did you guys guide there you did uh so one we were there only season. one year yeah and so we did yeah one season we jumped we jumped around quite a bit yeah i mean uh, I would have liked to have gone back, but you know what? A year-round uh, living at the time out there is, wasn't yeah. really possible. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I, we ended up on unemployment through the winter. And yeah. I think I can remember, I can remember having like, you know, once I paid my rent and yeah. put gas in the car and bought food, I think we had $20 spending money a month. So <laughs> it didn't go very far. So I, I was, I, I was doing some fly tying on the side for, um, one of the sh one of the local I'm going to call them local shops out there. It wasn't wasn't uh, J W Doke or anything, but uh, there was a local guy who had a shop, and I was tying flies. So that was uh, that was supplementing my beer money. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So then, yeah, where did yeah. you guys go after Miramichi? What did you do? Uh, so from the Miramichi, we 
were hired. I actually think we came back to Ontario for six months. Okay. Did a, and, you know, bummed around. And I think I actually worked in a grocery store for a while. And then, yeah. and then we got hired in British Columbia yeah. at another lodge in the interior. So it was on the Blackwater River, which is a tributary of the Fraser River. Yeah. And I believe it's a class one or class two water. And it's a, so it was a dry fly fishery, rainbow, rainbow trout. And the lodge was called, which I'm pretty sure isn't operating anymore, is, was called Mackenzie Trail Lodge. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So I think we drove out to Williams Lake and then we flew in to, it's called Satcha Lake, which the Blackwater flowed in and out of. And there was a, a lodge in there and a camp. They actually had an airstrip. And um, so we had to fly in float plane beavers to get in there. And, and, mm. and that, yeah, it was cool. So it was remote. Yeah, so four and a half months in there for a, or four months or so in there for summer and uh, guiding the Blackwater River and flying out to all these different lakes in the area and taking people fly fishing for rainbow trout. I mean, yeah. it was fantastic. I Jeez. mean, it was great. These, this yeah. part of your life is so amazing. You're like the most interesting, man, the most interesting man. Yeah. <laughs> you're scuba diving and fish farms out west, guiding in the Miramichi, then you come back and raise some money, and then you're out in the middle of nowhere again guiding, like, what a cool, what a cool, uh, you know, way. And to... We haven't even gone to Patagonia yet. Yeah. <laughs> what a cool way to make a living. Jesus. Yeah. Well, it was, it was cool. It was awesome. You know, it went on for about six, seven years. Mm -hmm. I'll call it, I'll call it my, uh, full-time guiding, uh, career, um, before, uh, you know, children, yeah. let's just say, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, Mackenzie trail lodge was, uh, a one-hit wonder too, though. I only spent spent one season there. Yeah. Um, and then what did they do after that? I'm trying to think. I believe from Mackenzie Trail we went to Patagonia. Okay. Um, so actually, I made my connections uh, with people in Patagonia all my time in New Brunswick. Okay. That's how we met some. There was people. Um, there was a fella named Jim Rapine. He's no longer with us, but he uh, he was big time fly fishing guide in Alaska back in the 70s he had his own tv show out there and he was known as mr alaska or something and, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean he was he was a little getting uh, up there i think he was maybe 60 65 when i connected with him and yeah. krista and i connected with him yeah. and we had established that connection and we sort of stayed in touch with some emailing and that type of thing and then we end up in bc and then we continued that conversation and we sent them, we looked into, you know, what was involved in going to Patagonia to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and they, he reached out to us as well and was interested in us. So we organized that with them and he brought us on and we went to Argentina, back to Ontario from BC and jumped on a plane in Montreal and Wild. flew to Buenos Aires and, uh, we had no idea where we were going. <laughs> yeah. And then got on another plane to Bariloche and then got on a bus to Trevelin. Yeah. Trevelin. Oh, no. So my first year was Argentina. Jim was in Chile. Jim gave us a referral to a lodge owner in Argentina. That's where we ended up the first year. Okay. And it was called a, it was called a Farrell's Lodge at the time. A Farrell's a Farrell's safaris i think okay so again they're not they're that original owner no longer operates that uh, yeah. that lodge but i believe uh, there's an operator there now that runs it now and it's actually a fellow i guided with in argentina named uh, rance rathi and 
they have a company called PRG, Patagonia River Guides down there. Okay. Um, and him and another fella, Travis, they kind of showed me the ropes down there in Argentina. And I think, I think they live down there full time and they run this operation. Uh, huh, cool. I, I haven't really been in touch with them, but uh, yeah, it's still there and still going. So it's pretty neat. And uh, we fished, uh, guided on the Rio Grande, it was called. It's not the Rio Grande in Tierra yeah. Fuego, <laughs> okay. but Rio Grande in Argentina, which is a, a pretty unique river because I think it's the only river in the whole uh, Cordillera from Alaska to Tierra del Fuego, so yeah. Rocky Mountains and the Andes, where a river actually originates uh, in the east of uh-huh. the of the mountains, comes through the mountains, it comes into Argentina, mm-hmm. does a big horseshoe, and then cuts back through the mountains again and goes to the Pacific. Wow, that's wild. So it's kind of it's kind of unique. So it does a big, comes out of the mountains, yeah, and does a big horseshoe in Argentina. So. It's high gradient. I think there actually may be a, it may be a big, ta- it's actually a big tailwater if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, there's a big lake up in the mountains and it comes out into Argentina mm-hmm. and Argentina has a lot of grazing and cattle land. So there's big hopper hatches and uh, oh, big right. hopper banks used to fish. And uh, of course, mayfly caddis and I never and thought that. about the, like I've always heard about the hoppers and stuff. I never thought it's because of the, like the ranching and like just the landscape and the cows and stuff that there's all these terrestrials. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there'd be these big high banks, you know, that were a bend in the river where that that west or east wind would just blow these grasshoppers down into the river and the fish would just be gorging on them and we'd just throw big, uh, I guess we fished a lot of Chernobyl ants and big hopper patterns and things like that. Wow. I mean, the fishing was... uh, it was pretty fantastic. And this was your first experience fishing down there, was, was this river? Yeah, it was exactly. Yeah, Must have been got Yeah, it was, and it was funny because I went from the Miramichi where we were pulling these old cedar strip chestnut canoes, which were huge, yeah. and I could barely handle one. You know, I, I learned a bit, but it was tough. I, yeah. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe the guys that, that that ran those things. They could they could pull them straight up river up a rapid. It was amazing. And then, yeah, and I, I tried to learn in that. And then I get down to Argentina and they threw me in an NRS raft with oars and said, there, away you go. So my first kind of what I would call drift boat experience. And, That's wild. Uh, yeah, well, you learn quick, let's just say. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> real quick. And you try, to, you try to learn what you can from the other guides around you, which, mm-hmm. which you know, the guys were great and, and taught me what they could. But there's, again, a lot of trial and error, but trial and error, but you learn yeah. and you get rolling and, uh, yeah, it was amazing. So, yeah, drifting rivers and rafts and casting dry flies and big streamers for big browns. I mean, Oof. that was the fishery. That was the fishery in that area. So that's cool, man. Do you have yeah, any was, um, like standout stories from that from that river or from down there uh, with a uh, with trout? Any any one trout that you remember stands out in your memory? Oh my goodness. I don't know if I could. I'll speak to a river and a fish. I'm gonna I'm gonna say one river we used to. Um, guide was the Rio Rivadavia. Okay. So it was up in it was called Los Alerces National Park. And so that it's named after the Alerces tree, which is essentially I'm gonna call it the redwood of Argentina. Cool. So they're great great big trees up in there and there's groves of them. Yeah. But this river and, and you can imagine the flora and fauna down there is completely different than here and the birds and everything. So oh, yeah. it's the rivers are it's all bamboo and things like that. Whoa. Like it's not it's pretty cool and you go on this real river davia and it's the gin clear river like 
-hmm. you can see everything in there and you can spot these fish from a long ways away and you just row through this crazy these trees that you're not used to and these bam these big tall bamboo shoots and you're winding your way down through this river spotting spotting resonant rainbows browns and in there when you asked me about a specific fish they had landlocked atlantic salmon down there wow wild so i can remember yeah it was cool so i can remember catching these landlocked salmon and they you know they'd fight just like an atlantic salmon on yeah. a miramichi but they were a little bit downsized and so that that fish was was kind of like um you know that that was a that was a special fish to catch in that river they were there but it was unique and and the backdrop with the the bamboo and the gin clear water and uh and atlantic salmon yeah it was neat so landlocked salmon down in argentina that's so funny you went from fishing atlantics in the miramichi to fishing atlantics in south america like what a crazy (laughs) (laughs) did not know that was a thing lined by bamboo trees yeah i love that yeah yeah, it was cool. That's so beautiful. It, oh my God. Yeah, that, that's a great area. So, Jeez. yeah, I mean, I mean, that would be the the most unique place I think I've ever fished. Yeah, for, in that I'd sense. Say. Yeah. Well, you yeah. you all you also fished uh, for uh, Golden Dorado, right? Was this another? Oh my goodness! Yeah, that was an adventure. So yeah. that that operator I worked for there um, was trying to open up. I'm going to call it New Frontiers. At the time, so you know, you see Golden Dorado advertised now in, in the fly fishing magazines oh, and that. Amazing. And at that time, I, I think it was in its infancy. There may have been another operation in Argentina that was connected to someone in the states, trying to open it up, and and there was a bit of a race to uh, try to get in there and and establish a lodge and get fishing. So I got sent up there to northern Argentina. So we're not far south from the border of Bolivia. And I and the and this the city town was called Salta, I think. So like, you know, I, I was with two other people f- who were local to Argentina. Yeah. One one fellow that worked at the lodge and another one who was an, an associate of the owner took me up there. I, you know, I hadn't I didn't speak a word of Spanish hardly. I mean, I spent the days on the river with, uh, you know, American clients. Right. And, uh, and uh, man, talk about crash course in Spanish and learning quick. <laughs> I had, I had no idea where I was or what I was doing. I was living in this strange house and, and uh, you know, I mean, literally it was like a piece of foam on a fricking mattress. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Where are the sheets? Yeah. So I can remember like taking my t-shirt, you know, and laying it down and then yeah. taking like my sh- three pairs of shorts I had and, and like, oh my God, laying on top of it because I didn't want to touch this phone. It was pretty sketch. Did you have any wet wipes? <laughs> so sketch. <laughs> it was sketch. Was so and awesome. I remember, and yeah, so, well, I'm, I'm getting off track, but the whole thing was crazy because the guy would, we had a boat and we, they'd they'd be looking on the map and they'd pick some river. I, I know nothing, right? I know nothing. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, you're going to fish this river today. I'm like, okay, I'm going to fish this river today. Great. And they <laughs> throw the boat in and, and a guy, they had a guy was with me. Uh, his name was Julio. I remember a good guy. Like he looked out for me up there, you know, yeah. strange situations in a few places where it was like, he had to tell people to leave me alone. I almost felt like he was my bodyguard, which, yeah you know, may, may not have been much of a stretch at times. Yeah. 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 Right. But, but, uh, so we get on this river and, uh, away we go. And I'm like, 
okay, so we're supposed to catch these golden dorado, and I had these these streamer flies tied up, you know, with deer hair and what have you, and and uh, start coming down around this bend in a river, and it looks like a juicy a juicy bend, and I throw this fly out, and then I see all these shadows coming up on. I'm like, holy oh, crap, there's golden dorado on here, and we we caught some hooked and caught some pretty nice fish and um and uh and they were just like i don't know how to describe them it's like a combination between a a steelhead and a, a piranha maybe yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> you know they just have that almost like a, a trout or salmon shape to them yeah and this big head but a mouthful of teeth right yeah uh... and, and aggressive on the flies and fight they fight like a steelhead or an Atlantic salmon, jumping, running. And the water's, you know, 85, 87 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm like thinking there cannot be enough oxygen, dissolved oxygen in this river yeah. to surely support yeah. a fish that wants to be that active. But yeah, what a what a fantastic sport fish. Like I I I can they're on that's on my like bucket list to go back and do again. They're a great fish to, to <laughs> You're the first person I've met who has like a I got a bucket list to go back and do again. <laughs> <laughs> A re bucket yeah. list. Yeah, uh, it's pretty neat. I mean, they are cool looking, was... man. They look so cool. Colorado. Yeah. Like, geez, just such an interesting looking fish. And uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah. can't, I can't imagine they are quite the fish to, to catch. Yeah, though well, they're pretty neat. I mean, and you know, throughout that whole experience, I mean, I'm talking about the good fishing experience, but I mean, I remember them putting me on river, some other river where it was chocolate milk, and they're like, fish it, and I'm like, can't fish it. You yeah. gotta fish it. Like I'm not fishing that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna catch a fish in that, and off I go down the river for a day. You know, Jeez. it was like I don't know. It was 20 days or something. I spent up there, and I fished all these different rivers. And I think mm. two, you know, two out of ten were yeah. worthwhile. You know, right. fishing again. And you know, it could all be timing. Could all right. been timing. I think. I think they. Uh, you know, the rains came and blew a river out, just like if you're still had fishing and this yep. and that. But that that was my experience, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was all just was, scouting for this for this guy that owned this lodge that you were working at. Exactly. That's yeah. wild, man. And he's just like <laughs> barely sets you up like that foam mattress thing. My God, what a gig that is. Jesus. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I remember the food was brutal. I I ate soda crackers for breakfast and water. Didn't eat all day. Jesus. What and then at shit. night, they'd take me out for dinner and it was a uh, pounded chicken deep fried like, like yeah. a schnitzel almost. And uh and a quart of beer, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite, it was quite a, it was quite a regiment. Yeah. I mean, I I, yeah. That's quite the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah. Hey, I got to fish for golden Dorado though. Yeah. Exactly. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. So yeah. uh, how did the uh, stint in Patagonia and sorry, Argentina and Chile had that end? Well, I guess, you know, finally I made my way back to the lodge down in, uh, in traveling, um, yeah. and continued on with my guiding there with trout and trout and brown trout and what have you. And, um, uh, well, I mean, the season ended, right. So it was time to come back home. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we came back and, um, maintained that connection in Chile. Actually, while we were there, we got hosted at the lodge in Chile by Jim Rapine, who Sweet. I had mentioned earlier, which was nice. And yeah. we had sort of made a, gentleman's agreement that we were headed there next year which was good yeah and uh, back to bc and we got hired at another lodge out there called uh a, i'm gonna call it a conglomerate uh, okay. called west coast west coast resorts 
-hmm. I believe they still, they operate a lot of salmon lodges out on the coast. I think they're still around, but they had this one lodge in the interior of Northern Tweedsmere uh, Provincial Park in uh, BC. And um, they had a big, beautiful log uh, cabin lodge there, which was a a fly fishing lodge. And uh, on the uh, Red, uh, uh, Red Fern River was the main river we fished. And the lodge was located on Utsuk Lake, it was called. Okay. And uh, which was pretty interesting lake, a big deep lake. And at one time, that river was cut off by a big dam that Alcan Aluminum um, built. Okay. And some, I believe what happened is there's some steelhead that got trapped up in there, and they've sort of become residents in this in this lake. Wow. Uh, this huge lake and then the river that flows out of it. I'm not going to say we, we caught some very large fish on flies, but not in the red fern. Um, oh, sorry. We caught nice fish in the red fern, yellow, uh, golden stonefly hatches galore. It was insane. Oh, well, that's fun. Uh, um, but in the, in the tributaries that flowed into Utsuk Lake, there was some of these big, big, big fish that looked like a steelhead. And I can remember catching them on, uh, gray drakes. Yeah. Uh, when the big mayflies, it would bring these big trout up and uh, guiding people up there and uh, see it once the drakes came off. Oh, my God, it was it was amazing. Like we'd be driving around the lake and targeting these fish just coming up and go, you know, six and seven pound, beautiful rainbow trout that looked like steelhead on five weight rods. It was fantastic. That's stuff. wild. And, uh, That's yeah, wild. it was neat. I mean, it was a much better operation than Mackenzie Trail. They had um Redfern River was beautiful. It was big and broad, and you could float it. So we, we floated it in pontoons. So yeah. we did got to do drifts, and we drifted other rivers that we could fly out to as well in the area, as well as lakes, you know, with belly boats and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, fantastic, fantastic lodge. It's still there. I think it might be owned by someone uh, out of Europe now. You, if, you, if you Google Redfern River Lodge, you, you'll get a hit on it. Um, but I think they cater to European clientele or something. So yeah. Yeah. So I did actually, we actually did two, two seasons there. Um, So we went back to Patagonia from there to Chile to Jimmer Pines Lodge, which is Fudalea Fu Lodge, which is now owned. If you Google that, it's owned by um, Nervous Waters. Okay. From the States. So you, you probably see that advertised on Instagram and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the lodge where we're where we were um, before Nervous Waters had bought it out. Yeah. And I mean that that place. You know, I talk about the Miramichi intimately. I I talk about uh, uh, the Fudaleafu River and and uh, that lodge pretty intimately. I mean, I learned how to handle a horse there and ride horseback. Oh and, yeah, right. And, oh, that's fun. You know, and uh, you know, we were drifting the river and, and it was much more unique than the Argentine side too. a lot more uh, character to the river. Yeah. There was one, one pool there we used to fish and it was called the lagoon. So if, if you've ever fished the Niagara river on the, at the whirlpool, yeah. it looks like, it looks like the river itself looks so incredibly similar to that. It's just scaled down a little bit. Okay. Right. Who does it? Food is big water. It's big water, but it's not Niagara size. Mm-hmm. But it's a great big pool and it's a great big back eddy. And we used to slip the rafts in there and we just roll around and we just watch. And if you can imagine, you know, because that water kind of has a big chute and pours in, like let's say the whirlpool and the Niagara, and there's all kinds of current scenes mm-hmm. and different things happening in this back eddy. And these three or four rainbows would just kind of all of a sudden appear up, they'd ride up a current scene. 
it'd be like, oh, it'd be like bone fishing. It'd be like 10 o'clock, 30 feet. Oh, so cool. And we'd have, we'd have, and we'd have the big grasshopper patterns on, right? Yeah. You had to be, you had to be quick and responsive. And that, that was the deal. Like, you know, yeah. it was on the clock and a distance, throw it out, get a drift, catch a fish or not, mm-hmm. you know, and you'd only get one or two shots and then they'd just stay on that current boil or that seam and then disappear back down to the depths. And then you'd be searching again and then, you know, behind you, behind you, 50 feet, there's two rainbows. And then you'd try to go for them and you could just go in circles all day long in this big eddy and just, it was freaking awesome. That's so cool. cool How deep was it there? Like, do you reckon? Oh, I don't know. I, I bet you that pool, you know, it had to be. If it was 50 feet deep or maybe more yeah, yeah, in, 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 in the middle of it, yeah. you know, cause over years and years of that water pouring in, I bet you she's gouged out, oh, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty good, pretty down deep. Like so many fish in there. Oh my God. Oh, the river was loaded. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. You seem like a, like a, like a pretty adaptable guy. I feel like there must be like one, one of these places have like taught you a massive lesson or. You know, something that you remember that's just like, man, that was a tough challenge. Because, like, I feel like because I know you and all these stories, I'm like, oh, yeah, he'll figure it out. And you usually do. But there's got to be something. There's got to be something that was a challenge that you're just like, man. Eating was... soda crackers every day for a month. Yeah, I guess so. Would be. But he... uh, that, that was a challenge. Uh, <laughs> that was tough, man. That was, uh, that was crazy. It's a good point, crazy. though, I guess. It's like a matter of what do you, like, when you started guiding on these rivers, like, uh, where was there a system to how you figured them out quickly? Mm. Cause it was a season you're there for or two seasons. Right. I mean, I'm sure you're yeah. learning from people too, but yeah, well that, so I guess I have to like go back, go back way back in time to answer that question. Cause I used to do a lot of, um, canoe tripping and paddling and whitewater paddling mm-hmm. when I was young. Um, and I learned how to read water really well. So that, that skill Right. really translated well to my fishing and um, handling uh, handling rafts and drift boats and new rivers and always watching ahead and looking. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, that was a huge asset, Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, at that point I had a pretty good idea where the fish are going to be and what they liked. So it was just a matter of, you know, playing the game and, uh, you know, being confident, you know, don't second guess yourself. And, you know, and, and get in there and, and fish it. And, you know, one spot may not produce, but the next will. Yeah. And I'll, it doesn't take long. You know, you do a drift two or three times and you start and you get some fish. And let's face it, the fishing down there is fantastic. Like, yeah. you, it's pretty hard to go wrong if you've got a, a base of knowledge. You're, right. you're going you're gonna to sort it out. Plus, you have other people to learn from. Yeah, the first couple of weeks are kind of brutal. Yeah. You know, you, you do a lot of second guessing and that things. But you, you settle in. You yeah. figure it out. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I think part of it that I liked the most was that challenge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I still like that today. If I, if I plan a canoe trip into Algonquin in, in May and, uh, get on a piece of water, I've never known that I, I, I love it. Like I love figuring it out and, yeah. uh, and that sense of adventure. I mean, that's, uh, that's where it's all at for me. That's, that's, that's the part that uh, drove, drove me to want to go to these places and do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. 
It's cool. Uh, I mean, like some beautiful, beautiful water. That pool sounds insane. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sounds so cool. 50 feet deep, stacked with trout. You're sight fishing for them and casting. Them. Like, oh so God. fun. So cool. There was one that was, there was one pool we called uh, the, the, the fellas I guided with in Chile were, were exceptional guys, uh, Bill and Eric and, um, great guys from New Jersey. Okay. And, uh, they really took me under, under their wing They showed me the ropes. They were great guys. Okay. And he had a spot called fish in a barrel. And, uh, it was just this one little eddy and you, and it was a real, real tough current. You had to hold the boat in the current. It ripped down the one side, but then there was this back eddy. Yeah. There's this big overhang, overhanging willow, and you had to row like a, like hell to hold the boat there and try to get people to make a cast in there. Oh my god! But there's all these browns and rainbows just milling about in there. If you could get your fly and get a presentation, they'd eat. That's cool. Fish in a fish in a barrel. We That's always what tried to get it. one. Yeah, we always tried to get one out of there on the on the float. So, <laughs> so cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, Man. pretty. Uh, Pretty fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not even at the Grand yet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But now yeah. you are at the Grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did uh, so? Then was this after all of that stuff? Is that when you kind of made your way back up, up here and and you know planted some roots? Yeah, so to speak. I, I think I ended up actually back in. Um, we were in Prince Edward County for a while. That's where uh, my nice. wife Chris's family family's from. Not much opportunity for trout fishing in that area. Yeah. Uh, I did a lot of hacking around uh, Lake Ontario and river mouths, trying to catch browns and steelhead and things like that and this and that. But I always found my way, you know, coming back to Lake Huron tributaries, fishing the Bayfield and the Maitland and that kind of thing. But anyways, getting back to that, we ended up there and then we ended up down, down in London. And you know what? The guiding thing kind of got almost shelved. I mean, I had some fishing friends that obviously I, I continued to fish all the time. Uh, but we, you know, we, we were married, we got married and we started a family and time was tight yeah. mm -hmm. and I sort of had to put that on the back burner. Um, but you know, life, there's life changes and, and this and that, and I always kept my fingers in it and tried to keep my contacts alive. And, you know, I ended up buying a drift boat when I lived there and, um, ended up making the move up this way to Paris. Cause I knew about the grand and I had been fishing it and started to fish it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I always talk about the timing thing. One day I ended up, I think, down at Five Oaks somewhere mm -hmm. on a on a Isonikia hatch. And the river was boiling with trout. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Am I in Patagonia right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was insane. And I'm like, this is the spot. Sweet. And, uh, you know, and. Um, Good feeling. Yeah. And we moved and we moved here. And I. Uh, you know, made, made some contacts, uh, locally and I kind of fired things up and it was pretty low key at, at, at first and for a long time. And, you know, I, and it takes a while to build a reputation cause I'd been out, out of it for a while. And I can remember going around to some of the fly shop owners and stuff at the time and introducing myself and they're all like looking at me, like, who's this guy? Like, right. you know, you know, we got, you know, Mike Verhoof's here and Ken Chandler and these guys and, you know, yeah. who are you and you don't know what you're doing. And I was like, well, I mean, at least that was kind of the vibe I got sure. initially. Sure. It's a tough nut to crack and yeah. I'm not, not like I'm not knocking anyone, but it's a bit of a tough nut to crack. You have yeah. to establish yourself and, and mm -hmm. so be it. That, that's what, that's how it should be. Right. Mm -hmm. But I just stuck with it. And, um, you know, I started getting people out mm -hmm. convinced, finally convinced somebody to pay me to take them fishing. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, yeah, we caught some fish, and it you know the snow the snowball effect starts right, right. and uh, and uh, you know now I think at the time when I started there you hardly saw anybody on the river, and now you see a lot of people, and I you know I, I think fortunately or unfortunately I think you know part of that is potentially the fact that I set up shop and people started to realize that more and more people started to realize that there's a fishery there that mm-hmm. needs to be paid attention to. Um, but you know, it, it works and I'm, I'm glad to see people out using the river. I mean, it's a resource there for everybody to use yeah. and um, you know, and uh, you know, rivers need help as you know, in Southern Ontario. So the more awareness there is, the better, as long as everybody's respecting each other out there yeah. doing anything. Now I'm getting into the politics, but oh, that stuff has yeah. to happen. You're right. hundred yeah. percent. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. You're never gonna. You're never going to stop people from fishing, and we shouldn't, right? Uh, what we need to do is foster a culture of respect, and that's just that's just we have to do that, you know. So if there's gonna be lots yeah. of anglers, and it's busy, and we all talk about, it, especially during steelhead season, it's like God, there's so many people, but it's like, yeah, but you're one of those. You're one of those people, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just the way it is. Like instead of uh, you're not. No matter what you do, if you're a guide or us, like we promote fishing in Southern Ontario, like people are going to go fishing. It's just like, it's the way it is. Instead, let's get yep. them to respect the river and, and try to have that culture, right? Yeah, respect each other. I mean, we could yeah. learn a lot from a place like the Miramichi River with pool rotation and, and those kinds of things. And I, yeah. and I think if there's a river in Ontario that's, you know, been able to establish that culture, uh, at least to a fairly significant degree. Not it's not perfect, but it is uh, fishing on the Grand River. And yeah. uh, some of the guys before me, were, you know, had already started that. Yeah, yeah. That, that culture, you know, Neil Neil Holding and who fished this river, and and you know Larry Halleck and, and Larry Mellers and, and and these guys that have been around longer than me. And uh, you know the the beauty the beauty of it uh, was for them is that they kind of had the river to themselves. And I think. You know, they rotated the Five Oaks pool, and outside of that, they didn't have to worry about it. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, fi- no one knows yeah. about Five Oaks. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah, knows no, about I, Five Oaks now, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned that. Obviously, anyone who steelhead, steelheads the, the Grand, yeah. you know, that that's an area that's that's known. I mean, I mean, that's probably got to be the premier steelhead run and, yeah, you know, the Great Lakes watershed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's one or two others that are out there on the Maitland or the Soggy or what have you, but. Uh, yeah, you're right though. Etiquette's interesting. You know, we haven't really, yeah. we don't speak about etiquette that often, but it's true. That is another thing that needs to happen. I think in Ontario, just have everybody on the same page in terms of like, let's enjoy the, the resources together and not, you know, yeah. like, you know, like get yeah. in each other's way so we can have yeah. all have fun, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think the, the right people who can influence that are in place and have the right, have that attitude. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the shop owners yeah. and the people that work there and um, someone like me, I mean, when I'm out there with uh, my clients, I, I walk them through that. Yeah. You know, if you're going to come, if, if you're from Toronto and you're with me for the day and you know, I, I expect unless, you know, you're not the type of person that's going to venture out on your own that you, you just want to fish with a guide. But if you're independent and you're going to go and try that, you know, yeah. res- you know, observe and follow pool rotation. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and you know, then everybody gets a chance at a fish. Yeah. And, and hey, fun. if I'm rotating a pool and I take a steelhead and I land it, I, I step out of the rotation yeah, and I'm go gone. back to the yeah. top, you right. know, and, yeah. you know, 
that that's just the way I do it. And uh, I got my fish. So, so yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to catch two or three. Obviously, we all would. And if you're a oh, weekend yeah. warrior. Well, one's okay, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it is, especially if it's a special fish like you catch on on the Grand and yeah. maybe you yeah. fished a floating line and a traditional fly and you've caught your fish. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's you know, go sit down on the bank and enjoy that experience. I yeah, mean, 100, yeah, 100%. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a nice Yeah, adventure. I remember when we were oh. – I remember when we were on, um, when we, when he took us out and Mitch caught his, I don't think Mitch fished again for another like 25 minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, believe, I, I believe he smoked a cigar, didn't he? Yes, he did. I he did. did. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was like, I remember that too. It was so funny. You're like, you're like, I'm going to smoke my cigar after lunch. And you're like, no, I'm going to catch a fish first. <laughs> then yeah. I, I was like, I reward myself with a cigar. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what can and I say? That, guys, that you know? What can I say? What can you say, man? <laughs> Call I associate out. Grand River steelheading with Mitch. Like I'm like that's that's mm-hmm. Mitch I love, is I love fishing the Grand Mitch's River steelhead. Thing. It's a great um, river, man. Like to your point. I hey, mean, I, I love yeah. it too. I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying like when I think of steelheading, it's so nice. I've, or when I think of Mitch, I think of like fall, yes. fall. cigars, steelhead <laughs> on the Grand. Yeah. Not the credit, <laughs> not the whatever. Like you know, that's definitely your vibe. It is. Um, it was a fun was day. Say. Yeah. Plus, pragmatically, mm. the river is cold as hell. Yeah. So rotating, I mean, at the, the very least, keeps you warm. Yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, you get to like have yeah. a snack, keep you warm. You got to pee eventually. Yeah. Those roads are long. I like, get I mean, one of those. Just, just rotate it. It was such a pleasurable experience when I was mm-hmm. in the Gas Bay two mm-hmm. seasons ago, you know, and, and, because you do, you start chatting with just random people waiting to get step in, you know, and yeah. you start chatting. Mean people, kind of fun. They're like, oh, what flies are you using? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it becomes like part of the fun. I don't know. Well, everybody's nice to each other. Person. Everybody's friendly, and you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Great, it's great. We'll it's great. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, meeting people out there on the river, and uh, I mean, I know I have met people out there and established, uh, you know, yeah, friend fishing relationships from there, right? So yeah, yeah. it's that's mm-hmm. great. I mean, it's a big part of it. So absolutely. Yeah, I just yeah. need to get some boots. So tea. You though, yeah. you're also involved with. Ah, uh, yeah, Middle Grand Chapter. Yeah, let's Middle. talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So, how did you get involved with them? Well, uh, hey, Larry Halleck and Larry Mellers, I believe, are the one who instigated the re. I'm going to call it the reforming yeah. of the Middle Grand Chapter because it was established at one time, and 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 they uh, obviously were um, very involved. Um, yeah, you know, I think they spearheaded lots of things, but. Uh, for one example, there used to be a dam there at the mouth of Whiteman's Creek, you know, where yeah. the Five Oaks came in and, you know, they facilitated uh, with a bunch of partners and other, other people who are involved. So don't, don't ask me to start naming names because I don't know everybody, <laughs> but um, you know, that they had that, that dam removed, which uh, huge. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just allows fish movement in and out of the Creek, right. It's for crazy. steelhead and resident yeah. trout and uh it improve, improves the fishery, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and I mean, those are the kinds of things. Now, we, we're not quite quite there with our chapter now. We've only been reestablished, I think, for five years, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Um, there's lots of things we'd like to do. And uh, I know we have ideas and things that are um, pending or in the works, which I can't really get into specifics on because uh, – yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to at, at the risk of maybe something not actually happening yeah, at, yeah, that's okay. or uh, getting out, but um, we have done a ton of uh, 
uh, or getting back to how how I got involved. Uh, yeah, the, the guys did a town hall meeting and uh, reestablished the executive, which I uh, volunteered for right away as a director at large. And um, and I got involved there, and you know, a lot of it in the early stages was just kind of really learning from from these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the veterans I'll say and obviously you're gonna say Larry Halleck's name again mm-hmm. being a biologist with the MNR mm-hmm. and 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 Larry Mellers who's been a guide and involved in all kinds of conservation organizations up on the Saugeen and mm-hmm. and what have you and done a ton of work um, and and uh, Warren Urix another biologist is with you know these guys got all this and I'm sorry if I'm leaving anyone out because I know there's lots of people but. Uh, just listening and being around the table with these guys and hearing what they have to say yeah. and uh, trying to gain an understanding of um, how things work and how we can get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've never worked for the MNR. I'm not a biologist. Uh, you know, I, I have an aquaculture uh, uh, diploma, but uh, so I have, you know, pretty good understanding of fish and how they work and, yeah. and where they live and lots of experience. But uh, um yeah, and I mean, you know, over the years, we've uh, done restoration projects on a lot of little creeks that feed into the Nith River and Whiteman's Creek and the Middle Grand River. And I don't know, five years ago, I was out there guiding. I had a couple really tough seasons trying to catch a fish. And I think there was one year, and I don't know how many days I did, but if I boated five steelhead in a season, I was pulling my hair out. I was like, I think I'm going to have to pack it in. Like, where are the fish? Like, they're (laughs) not here anymore. Yeah. And as soon as I had a chance to get involved with Trout Unlimited, I was on it. And uh, I was in. And I'm telling you, the work we've done, and it doesn't, it's it's not that hard to do, the actual physical work. Mm -hmm. I mean, the landowner contacts and getting a, all the people on board and permitting mm-hmm. and all that stuff is the challenging part. But as soon as you go into these creeks and, and make improvements, mm-hmm. you know, whether, it, whether it's removing debris or adding debris and get, get that sediment flushing and expose that spawning gravel and giving the fish access, mm-hmm. it's everything. You know, the idea of stocking is obsolete in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If you give the fish yeah, uh, access and they can spawn and they can get good recruitment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fish are going to come. And uh, I mean, every day of this year, I've driven down and crossed br- different bridges at Whiteman's, and I'm seeing steelhead in the pools there that are mm-hmm. like I've never seen before. And it's all, it's all, I mean, climate has a lot to do with it. I mean, mm-hmm. if you get a drought summer, you're going to lose a lot of young fish. So we've had some fairly stable summers, uh, good temperatures. It's allowed uh, over the last five years to allow these fish to reestablish. Mm-hmm. And they're back in droves this year, I'll tell you. They are, the river's chocked full. At least the tribs are. They don't like to hang around in the main stem. It's like a super highway. They, yeah. they fire up, they hold up for a bit, and then they shoot up these tribs. But, man, there's a lot of fish in there, and some really big ones. And yeah. it's really, really good to see, to yeah. feel like, you know, you've sort of been a part of that solution, right? Yeah, and, uh, it's making an impact. Yeah, that's really, really positive. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. It's really cool. Really good to see. So, it doesn't take. And, I always kind of had an unscientific view that if you know, like, it doesn't take that long for fish to f- fix themselves, and they lay so many eggs, yeah, they can it, stock themselves, stock quote unquote themselves way better than 
uh, we can, um, given you, like, like you said, given the opportunity, I mean, what you've been involved for five years and you've seen a massive increase in population. That's pretty rad. It's pretty short cool. Relatively short it's, window, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we started doing that work five, six years ago and like, we're there, we got, we got, we got the fish back. I mean, and you know, there's lots more to do and uh, you know, weather and climates and you know, who knows, you know, there'll be four more beaver dams built on some Creek and the st steelhead might get cut off, but yeah, we continually monitor that and try to make sure that they're getting access yeah. and uh, with a little bit of work. I mean, I say a little bit of work. I think there's, there's quite a lot of work that goes on in the background, but uh, you know um, my role there as a director at large over the years, I just, I tried to help with this fundraising as best I could mm -hmm. um, and, you know, run some GoFundMe campaigns and, um, we have a, a website, not a website. Uh, I guess I should, I, I hope you guys can throw this in, but I'll mention. Oh, yeah, at the end, we we'll have, plug uh, in. Yeah, we have uh, Neil LaDuke um, and and I, and this was Neil LaDuke's idea. And you're familiar with Neil LaDuke. He works, he worked with Mike Verhoof there up on the Maitland okay. fly fitter. Yeah. So Mike guides up there, uh, or sorry, Neil guides up there. Great guy. He reached out to our chapter with this idea about having local tires donate flies, and uh, we put them up for auction and sell them. So the it's a Facebook page. Yeah. It's called Saving, Saving Streamers. So we kind of did we kind of piloted it last year in uh, I'm going to say May and April, March and April. And hey, we I think you know we raised you know I don't know the exact number in front of you. But it was over a thousand bucks in nice. like three weeks selling Easy these enough. flies right yeah yeah that's awesome like, well, hey saving streamers yeah, yeah exactly. saving streamers so check it out so we haven't been too active in the last little while but I, right now i'm i'm soliciting donations fly yeah. donations and we're looking we look for like six six at a time from a guy and uh, uh we'll put them up and auction them off so neil and i've been chatting again we're trying to get things we kind of shut it down with covid because we don't want to mail mail out flies and that kind yeah, of thing yeah, but yeah. We're going to get her up and going and uh, I'm uh, picking up some flies this week from another guy. And, and so we're going to get a little bit of a pool going. And so, yeah, if anyone's out there is willing to donate, we'll take it because that money, uh, Neil and I decided that uh, this isn't a hundred percent for sure. It's where the money can be uh, uh, do the most benefit, but uh, we sort of said, well, you know, 50% goes to the Maitland and, 50% will go to the Grand Watershed. So, yeah. Cool. Um, I like that. We'll, uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. So We'll put um, that link in the show notes so people can find it. And you can go check out the uh, show notes on our uh, click through on our website. You can find that link. Okay. And yeah, that'd be cool. Buy six flies that Yilma himself has tied. You'll know where to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Yilma, you're going to tie right. a bunch of flies. Yeah, we'll take a donation, Yilma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And so. Um, yeah, as, as the director at large, um, just trying to support the other the other executive and learn from them has really been my role. Yeah, and getting out getting out to the work days, yeah. you know, that's yeah. a ton of fun. Get a yeah. great group of people. We all go work in a stream for a couple hours and then go have a pint afterwards, right? Oh, that's and cool. Yeah, talk about fishing and biology and fish yeah. and nerd and out all, all this stuff, right? That, and yeah. Then, yeah, it's cool and. Um, you know, but recently, uh, so Larry Halleck was our president. Yeah. 
he's uh, I want to say he's not stepping back. He's still playing a very significant role. Um, but, you know, we set up some subcommittees, some strategic planning, that kind of thing. So Larry's, uh, you know, he's decided to head up one of the, these subcommittees. So he's he stepped down as president. And I think, you know, you got I've mentioned to you guys that uh, Heine Kovacs has stepped in or was elected as president, which is really cool and exciting. So I'm going to say the next generation is kind of. Um, yeah. getting involved and um you know we're trying to keep this alive and, and move it forward so i i was um, nominated as a vp and actually larry mellers and i and larry is going to mentor me a yeah. little bit uh, it, we're co-vps okay and so yeah i'm just i'm there and i'm i'm learning and still trying to obviously raise money and uh support uh, our president heine where i can yeah uh, if she asked for it and um yeah right. i mean it's just fun like it's just it's all about learning and and helping uh yeah it's important helping you know? the, yeah for sure so it's important to get involved that, in that way that's the, yeah it's the story and, i mean we got another we other the young a great group group of young people there like uh adam pet who you guys know adam yes fantastic yeah, yes I don't know. I can't even believe we haven't talked about. I know. I know. I was thinking about that. I was like, shit, Adam's going to be like, when are they going to say how awesome of a guy I am? Adam was great. (laughs) Adam, you're great. You're you're awesome, Adam. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So he's on the executive as well as a director at large. I mentioned Heine. I think her little sister Bernadette is on there. And then we have, who am I going to, I don't, who am I going to leave out? Barry Buckwald is still there. He heads up production, Scott Palandry, Andy Dietrich communications. Right on. Uh, Jason Cashback. I mean, all all these uh, great people. Um, uh, Amanda is on there as well. So we have uh, a lot of new uh, new people on the executive this year, and some of the uh, the veterans who have been around yep. um, are still faring, play, playing very significant roles. But you know, giving turning over some responsibility to us, and uh, so it's really cool. Like a bit of a succession starting to happen, and uh, you know. At the same time, some pretty cool stuff going on in the background that hopefully will come to fruition in the future. So well, yeah. I'm, I'm super happy to hear that, and yeah, you know, we'll we'll get involved how we can because I think it's great the stuff that you guys do there. And uh, I mean, yeah, shout out to Larry and and, uh, and all the fellows there that started, uh, you know, restoration on that part of the river years ago because it's obviously helped a lot. You know, like now we can fish it, and enjoy it. So it's super important. And uh, yeah, really cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see what else happens. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. Me too. So fantastic. Very exciting stuff. Yeah. Yes. Excited yes. for this weekend. I mean, I guess everybody who's listening won't know which weekend we're talking about, but we're going, uh, we're, we're, we're heading out. I don't know if all you want to talk about that. Well, maybe before we get into that, Mitchie's Fishies five. Oh, yeah. True. We got five oh. questions, Mitchie's Fishies, and then we can talk about maybe this weekend and then, uh, rock and roll. Uh, we, you know, yeah. Fishies five, uh, Tyler, we ask these same five questions every single guest on the show and, uh, just like to hear the answers. Uh, we'll get lots of cool stuff and we're going to make a book one day with all these, with all the people that on there that we've had on the show with all their answers. So, uh, let's do it. Okay. Mitchie's fishies five time. Um, so the first question of Mitchie's fishies five is what is your favorite fish and why? Favorite fish. Yes. The favorite it's, fish. My favorite fish is a steelhead. Nice. Right on. How come? Why, why a steelhead? Well, I mean, I think I think maybe we spoke to this a little bit on the river. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, a steelhead is an anadromous fish, so they're born in a tributary of a river. 
and they hatch there. They live there for two, three, four years. They smolt out. They make their way all the way back to the ocean. In this case, you know, one of our great lakes, whichever one it might be. And then they grow big and they come back to their home stream. And to me, that's, uh, you know, quite uh, a life cycle, yeah. uh, a feat in itself, let's just say, and yeah. find their way back to where they were born to, you know, keep the, to keep the cycle alive. Mm. And um, in order to do that, you obviously got to be, have a fairly, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? A, um, like a, a mind in a spirit. Yeah. And, they, and, uh, and you know, they're also pretty mean. Yeah. They got to be, you got to be mean out there. You got to be aggressive tough. to survive Yeah, and tough. And uh, hence the name steelhead, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, to get out there and fish for them. Well, all of you guys out there that steal guys and girls who steelhead out there, you know, they are not easy to catch. Mm -hmm. They'll be in the river. You guys know you spend a day out there. I mean, we had nips, we had grabs, we had fish on, we lost them. Mitch, you hooked one, you landed it. Thank goodness. Yes. Saved the day. Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> and I hooked another one but, that day too. Just saying, I know I missed it. Yeah. It was terrible that I missed it. I'm not even going to speak to that, yeah. but I, you, you, you almost had one on too, right? Yeah, you almost had one on. It was a wild you day. Did. It was a good day. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it was, there was, there was I action. Bass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Shut up. Although. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You caught three, didn't you? I love it. Yeah. It was like Almost. the size of my. <laughs> I know, nope. it's freezing on us. Oh, that's the first time all those ever frozen on us. Oh, he's back. There he is. Oh, okay. he's back. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, yeah. back to the steelhead. Yeah. I mean, fantastic fish, mean, yeah. extremely hard to catch. Yeah. And when you do do get one, that pursuit to catch one, and and you finally it finally pays off. You know, you got a fantastic, strong fighting fish, and. Um, yeah, I can't think of a, a better fish to, to pursue, really, Love to be it. honest with you. I mean, there's lots of close seconds, but oh, for sure, for I got sure. to go with steelhead. Yeah, it's a tough question, Favorite but fish. good answer, yeah. man. I love that one, mm -hmm. steelhead. Um, okay, number two is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, assuming it's the best time to go, where would you go and why? I would go to the Middle Grand River, Ontario, nice. uh, <laughs> and fish for steelhead. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> but if I didn't have that option, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I would uh, maybe go to. Let me think now. I, you know what? Honestly, I'd go to BC and fish for steelhead yeah. on in the Skeena tributaries, or I'd head south in the Caribbean and do uh, flats fishing for nice. bones or permit or something like that. Yeah, that'd yeah. be pretty rad. That'd be pretty nice. I yeah, I, th I think you're the second person in a row to, like, I think Eland, our last guest, he 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 did a freshwater and a saltwater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, it's a good way to version. do it. That's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, hey, you got you can turn your winters into summers and uh, yeah, fish year round. Yeah, and drink a cold calic on the flats of the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, so long fish are going by. So hey. Sounds awesome, man. Oh my god. Great way to go. Oh my god, yeah. that's exactly where I'd be if yeah. I could, if you could fly I know. anywhere. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Number three of Mitchie's Fishes Five is what is your best or favorite fishing memory? Or one of your favorite fishing memories ever? Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a it's you know, take your time, take your time. Like I say, we edit. We can uh we could spend 20 minutes right now thinking if you want. 
favorite fishing memories, man. I, there's so many, uh, so Sometimes many experiences first to draw from. In your head. I'm gonna I'm gonna share one uh, memory, and maybe this is a little uh, sentimental or personal, but I'm gonna it it it's uh, my daughter uh, Mira, yeah. who he, she passed away about uh, going on six years ago, unfortunately. Oh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's tough tough go. But um, I used to take her down onto the Grand. Uh, there was a little spot there, and you know she was uh, I'm gonna say seven years old, and I put a fly rod in her hand and showed her how to roll cast and she took that rod and she fired a nice 35 foot roll cast out like it was nothing and i was like holy shit that's pretty good and swung a nice little partridge and orange wet fly through a riffle and proceeded to catch you know one trout after another little you know eight ten twelve inches yeah, yeah but uh it, it was fantastic and uh there's a little spot out there in the Grand. I call it Mira's Run. Nobody, I don't tell anybody that, but that, that's her spot, and that's my favorite fishing memory. Oh, man, that's a great memory, That's amazing. Man. Best Jeez. one ever. I think yeah. so. I think that's the best Love one it. we've ever heard. Yes. Yeah. You take the yeah. cake there. That's beautiful, man. See, honestly, fishing with fishing with family and on home water, you know, I mean, it's yeah. great. It's like nothing really beats it. You can fish the Seychelles and be like, you know, or, but every, mm-hmm. it's, it's the home water and the memories. That's the best the family. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jeez. Love that. Um, okay. Number four, Mitchie's fishies five is why do you fly fish? What do you get out of fly fishing? Why do you keep going out there time and time again? Well, I mean, um, uh, the water itself, moving water. I'm drawn to moving water. Yeah. Uh, love the way it feels. I like standing in it. I like being around it. I like to listen to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the insects and the, and the, obviously the creatures, the fish themselves are unique in the sense, you know, cold blooded and they can breathe underwater. I mean, maybe that was my draw to scuba diving, but, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I, I love being around water. I can't get enough of it. I'd live on it if I could. Yeah, yeah. I love that you answer. Know? That's great. Like, we haven't heard water a ton of times. I know, like, uh, I think uh, uh, one of our guests, uh, Jeff from Algonquin Park, talked about water. Because, again, rafting, scuba mm-hmm. diving, all that kind of stuff. You've done all that stuff, and it makes sense. Your life has just kind of always revolved around water. Yeah, well, now, if, if you ever read uh, Roderick Haig Brown, I, I think – it, I never really realized it until I read, uh, there's a, I can't even remember, but he talks about uh, the rivers being the, the lifeblood yeah. or the, the veins of the earth. And uh, I mean, the first time I read that, I was like, yeah, wow, like that is totally right. And, uh, you know, being around that moving water and it takes, you know, that, that just like, you know, all those pressures on life and all these distractions and things that all just kind of. Totally. Dis- disappears and you become sort of one with your environment and you find that 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 place that that place that you you i don't know you you don't you can't get to it's i don't know what is it is it is it spiritual is it yeah. a kind of a thing like i'm not a religious man but no, i know what you mean i don't know how, I, I don't know how it's to uh, explain that and uh i just feel so comfortable yeah i feel very conne- very connected to my surroundings and uh yeah. And, um, Hey, and, and people, yeah, it's, it's great. What can I say? Yeah, I love that. No, hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. Um, okay. Number five and Mitchie's fishies five. This one is what fly pattern best represents you and why? So if you were a fly, what would you be and why? 
If if I was like a bug fly or a fishing An actual fly? fishing pattern. Fishing pattern. Hook and all. Hook and all. What would I be? Oh my goodness. I think I would be a muddler minnow. Nice, right on. Okay. Really? Why nice. why a muddler minnow? Or many vari or the many variations yeah. of it. Like the one that was given to you as a gift on the river the other day from uh, Joe. Yeah, true. Yeah, a, like swinging muddler minnow thing. Yeah, that was the uh, it was tied with the uh, pine squirrel head. So yeah. that was a, that was a muddler pattern. Yeah. But if I if I was to go back to a more traditional style, like a you know spun deer hair yeah, with yeah, the yeah. turkey wing, yeah. that 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 pattern and the variations you can tie from that is so incredibly versatile. Yeah, from from trout to steelhead to salmon to even bass, like you you can you can. I always called it uh, something I used to do in Algonquin Park for brook trout or even if I'm running out of bass flies is I get a nice fully dressed muddler and grease it up and like pop it on the surface. Yeah. The old, the old grease muddler trick, I call it. Or <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, you, you can add, uh, you know, uh, eyes to a muddler and sink it, you know, yeah. and, uh, and fish it, tie it big and articulated to fish for browns. Yeah. Or you can tie a steelhead muddler version or even, um, you know, because they essentially muddler minnow is a is a sculpin imitation, yeah. which never really like I get that it looks like it, it imitates that, but a muddler tends to fish fairly high in the water column, mm -hmm. where a, a, a sculpin is on the bottom. Let's yeah, just say yeah, so. Yeah. It's true. It's kind of it's kind of interesting um, that it works. So I think a muddler mimics a lot of the time like a you know a big fall caddis at times, or you true. can tie a muddler into a variation that that matches that and. Yeah. Uh, or you can scale it way down, and um, it, it's an incredibly versatile pattern, and you can tie the, the different variations of it, and it'll fish and catch almost any species. Yeah. So if I was a fly, and I didn't, and I wanted to catch fish, I'd be a muddler. <laughs> I if I if there I was go. a fly and I didn't want to get eaten, <laughs> yeah, I'd be uh, I would be a. Um, Oh, you know those like uh, six packs you buy at Canadian Tire? Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Cheek of the bee? Explode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I'd do. If I didn't want to catch fish, that's what I would do. I sorry, <laughs> sorry Canadian Tire. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, Canadian step it up, though, Canadian Tire. Like, geez, you guys want us to, you know, talk good about your flies? Let's see their fly game step up. Come on. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Yeah, exactly. Muddler Jeez Minnow, Louise. that's a great, I love the Muddler Minnow. That's a great, that's a great answer. That's fantastic. Cool. That's Mitchie's Fishies Fives, man. That's that's the show. I mean, that was a great conversation. It was a ton of fun chatting. I hope you had fun. I did. Good, it good was. Uh, it's great. It's great to see you guys again, man. Great to it's, see you. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to uh, Saturday Sunday. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah, let's touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So we're yeah. Let's do that. Let's do. We're that. gonna float on. Uh, Todd's taking us out uh, again because we already yeah. did two days on the river with him and, and Adam, which was an awesome two days and. For anybody listening, you gotta go. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta go. see this river through through a float, and uh, and you gotta eat Tyler's food also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had burgers on the river, turkey we had soup. burgers on the river. Oh my god! Like, I forgot about that. Oh burger. my god! So fun. It was like burgers in the river. While Mitch is, I mean, a double cheeseburger, and Mitch is fighting a steelhead. Like that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> you know what I mean. And. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and awesome. uh, Adam and Tyler are the great guys. Just great guys to have in the water. Learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you gotta. Uh, you're stuck with us again. No, oh, it's gonna be fun. So, okay. uh, oh, well, let's let's tell the people out there how, how how quick how 
how good you guys are as as guides because I've been, you know, I've been steelheading a, a ton of times with Mitch and Aldo, whatever, but I've been using the single-handed. I haven't been really perfecting my cast. And then I get there and Adam's on me 24-7 and I'm feeling confident to go double-handed um, all the time for, for steelhead. So I feel yeah. like, yeah, we can, you guys can guide us for a guide for um, or catch steelhead and show you the river and whatever, but the casting techniques that you guys provide. Great instructors as well, for sure. Great, great, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I was going to say, I really like, you know, I'm a new rel relatively to spay fishing, you know, mm -hmm. I think there's yeah. four years with a spay rod now, three years, three, four years of the spay rod, man. It's improved it's greatly. It's interesting. You know, uh, I've been asked the question, you know, you know, what percentage of your clients are experienced versus beginners and not that you guys are beginners, but we, I mean, we do a ton of teaching and yeah. instructing. I mean, you, you got to, right? Because yeah, yeah. A, a huge, a huge part of your, your, uh, people that come to see you are, are, are they're there to learn. So right. you, hmm. you got, you got to incorporate that into the day. And I think, you know, I like to think that I can pride myself on the fact that I can take someone who's never caught a steelhead, put a 200 rod in their hands and Hey, <clears throat> first part of the day is a little rough. There's a lot to learn, a lot to sort out, but yep. You know, by, by midday, things are starting to come around and, mm -hmm. you know, you've learned enough that you can get the fly out there and present it. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, it, a lot of people hook their first steelhead and yeah. it's, it's really cool. And, and what um, a great section and to learn on yeah. for, for double head yeah. as well. Yeah. It's a nice wide, broad river. The, the runs lend themselves perfectly to swinging flies. Yeah. And you know what? The waiting's pretty good too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. it's not crazy. Some of the some of the runs are pretty benign, pretty easy going. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you can get out of the boat, swing a run, not worry about. I mean, shouldn't say not worry about it, but you know, you, it's relatively safe. Yeah. And or, and or you can I fish lots of people right from the boat. Some people don't want to wade. You know that are, you know aren't as uh, agile in the river and that type of thing. So. Yeah. There's lots of lots of options. So the boat the boat's a great tool. You cover lots of water. You guys know it. Mm -hmm. Cover lots of water and try to get over some fish that haven't seen a fly. And then that's the name of the game. That's yeah. the name of the game for sure. So that's no, wicked. No, hundred yeah. percent. Shout out to you guys because yeah. yeah, you and Adam uh, really we had a fantastic day on the water. So thanks again for having us out because uh, yeah, it was a blast. And we highly highly recommend it to anybody in Ontario and beyond. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll put um, we'll put some links to to where people can find you in our show notes, and uh, so people can find you know uh, how to contact you to set up a trip. But um, yeah, thanks again, Tyler, for coming on the show, man. It was, yeah, it was thanks, a blast. Tyler. Tyler, now's uh, like you almost said, shameless plug time. Like, what are yeah? What's your what's your handle on Instagram? What's your website URL? Yeah, what's how going on? Find you, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. So the website uh, www.flywaterguiding.com right and instagram is flywater dot at flywater dot guiding yeah so similar and yeah those are the two best places to find me all my contact information is on both of those um i'm going to say the instagram account and the website yeah yeah so yeah look me up um and you can contact myself or adam uh, i think you can uh click a link there to email either one of us if for some reason you don't like the looks of me and you'd rather go with Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Handsome guy. Handsome you guy. You can do that. Handsome guy. <laughs> and, uh, 
and or feel free to get in touch with me and uh, yeah, we'll try to s- get it organized and set it up Absolutely. and go from there. And you can find Adam at flywater underscore steelhead on Instagram. So uh, similar handle, but yeah. check him out. Tons of fishy pictures on there. It's great. Yeah, that, that's right. Exactly. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Cool. Well, everybody at home, thanks for listening and um, hopefully everybody can get out and enjoy some fishing. Um, I mean, that's, that's really it, you know, have a, have a good uh, rest of the, uh, the fall here. And, uh, that's it for me, Mitch, Aldo. Bye. Yelma. See you guys later. And Tyler. Thanks again, guys. We'll talk to you soon. You can find all of SoFly's content at SoFly.ca. On Instagram, we're at the SoFly crew. You can reach us at the SoFly crew at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. On Facebook, we're SoFly, and our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.